Hey everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa Tough, get on a Gravel Worlds podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. Had a coach actually. Shout out to Andy. He sent this article over from Roulaire talking about the transfer of George Bennett from Yumbo Visma to their rivals UAE and the the way he talks about training is really interesting uh just the change that has gone on and one thing really stuck out to me in this article and you can google it if you want to read the whole thing but he says so far the training has been very specific i've been tested twice in the Girona sport science lab and been analyzed to the hilt and not just VO2 max. That's important. At Yumbo, I undertook numerous VO2 tests and came out in the 90s, but VO2s are overrated as there's a huge mismatch between VO2 and cycling performance. From the tests I've undertaken with UAE, I can see where I fall off the cliff physiologically. No matter what your VO2 is, it's what shape you arrive at the last climb. It's all about repeatability and efficiency. Um, he goes on to describe this a little bit more, but it's amazing how many people will solely focus on one metric. And I'm not just saying the new athlete, I'm saying an experienced athlete. I'm saying myself as a coach, I'm saying other coaches, coaches I talk to, it is very easy to initially see someone's metrics and be like, Whoa, on paper, this person looks amazing for reasons X, Y, and Z. But then you have to see them actually perform. Intervals are a great way to to see athletes in a different light. I've seen some athletes with ridiculous numbers, but then it comes time to go hard or it comes time to go hard late in a ride and they just don't have it. Sometimes it's a mental thing. Some people don't like going hard. Uh, it's, that's something you definitely need to change about your brain if you want to be good at road cycling, gravel cycling, cyclocross, or mountain biking. And I haven't ridden track, so I'm assuming that too. But it really, really, really shows how you need to see the full picture. And we have plenty of podcasts and blogs about repeatability. It's not just the watt per kg chart became really popular once it became accessible to everybody with a power meter. And then what was it? WKO like three or even golden cheetah back in the day. Once everyone could be like, oh, wait, these guys put these these goalposts down. Like if I can do X watts for this duration, I'm the equivalent of a cat three. I'm the equivalent of a pro. I'm the equivalent of a world tour. 
we all were like, this is awesome. But then as you, just like everything, we learn more and more about power. We learn more more about training. We started thinking about this more. It's like, wait a minute, this one-off effort is great, but the race really gets determined at our... 215 when there's a split and some people get dropped and then you know who has the one minute surge at hour three and then who has the sprint at hour 345 from four guys right like that's how the bike race really plays out so i just want to post this because even in the other previous podcast about how chronic training load can mislead you what is that that problem stems from overly focusing on one metric. And now I say in that previous sentence, like, hey, myself, it's easy to get caught up in one thing that's like, wow, look at that. When I look at different athletes, or I look at myself, let's say, and intervals start working, I pair up a couple things, I do a couple things at a certain time of the year, whatever it might be, whenever you see things working, it's easy to want to uh, like shotgun spray to everybody. And that is definitely not what you want to do. So I tell you that not to say, oh, look at me, I'm a great coach. I'm so individualized because it's very easy to look at what your friends are doing and feel like you need to be doing that. And it can veer you off your plan. And there's a reason why you put together your plan. Now we've been promoting the idea of like, hey, have a training buddy, have somebody to help keep you accountable And I think it's a really good way to share things back and forth. Just understand you might be two very different riders. And if I go way back in the day, Patrick and I, well before Evoke, well before we even started coaching together, um, we would talk a lot. I mean, we still talk a lot about training, but we would talk a lot about what we were doing. I was working with Jason. He was working with somebody else down local, I believe, um, And when we started riding together in Nashville, we really just started to see some highlighted differences of what kind of works for us and what doesn't. We're we're two different people. And so some things overlap, some things definitely don't. And so just make sure you're remembering that your training is for you. And sometimes I tell athletes, hey, we need to get selfish with you right now because you can't do everything that everybody else wants to do all the time, you know, and that really more is applicable to people that have a great cycling community around them. That's a great thing, but it can also be the temptation that all of a sudden you have three group rides that you want to go to. And deep down inside, you know, it's like, damn, I should probably go work on myself today. Um, it's a conversation I've had with Tom recently about the group ride here that I've done the Cove ride. And I was feeling, you know, it's great. You know, I've recently moved to Florida. The community is awesome. There are some really great people. There are really strong riders and it's a fast ride. It's, it's Florida race pace. Um, and when I say Florida race pace, I mean, it is flat and fast and flat and fast sounds like you can, uh, sit in, but here's the deal. If you make a move and people counter you, After you make your move and you get pulled back and you're now going from you're attacking and you're going 30 miles an hour and now you're going 25 and you're a little gassed, when the train comes by you, no one's picking you up. You need to figure that one out. And that's how people get dropped on this ride. They just go too deep and then 
a couple other people surge, and that's what happened when Ball and I almost got dropped. We hammered, got caught, and two dudes went Sendy, and five guys went with them, and we were like, oh, dude, uh-oh. Um, but so I said to Thomas, hey, do you think this is taking me away from the aerobic endurance stuff? I feel good doing it. It's been good to have this one sort of reaction-type ride during the week um, around some races, and I really wanted to shift back into a more foundational period now as I'm recording this. It is February 9th. Um, My real big races don't start until May and June. So I'm like, you know, the next couple months, I think – really dialing in more, not base, but aerobic, a lot of endurance, a lot of miles, a lot of volume, but still sprinkling the intensity, does this group ride fit in? And for many reasons of kind of what I was talking about just now, you have to react to other people. It's a very fast ride, so there's still not much coasting. It's not a 30-second smash, everybody stops type ride. It's much more like over-under undulating with some sprints in it. And, uh, like I would say hundred and f- eh, trying to think of what the percentage FTP attacks would be. Like there's a lot of like five, 600 watt surges. Um, so like one thirty to one fifty ish. Um, so anywho with that, this is all about look at your training and Look if it's taking you to where you're trying to go. And, you know, it's an interesting article. He's training a few hours less. Um, You know, he was doing 30-hour weeks before. That's crazy long. I think, I don't know, if if you have six, seven-hour races, you have to ride that long. But I don't know if you have to do it every day. Um, Maybe he was doing six days a week at five hours. Or I'm sure it's a mixed mash of four or five and six-hour rides. But... It's a ton of training. You can probably, and you know, now he's doing 17 and 20 hour weeks and you can get a lot done in those. So interesting article, wanted to give a hot take and um, I actually, well, another side twist, it says, do you compliment riding with gym work? And he says, I do now. <laughs> so he's gone from zero to two to three times a week and gym work is super important. That's a random tidbit. The end.